0: Fly vardagen en stund med GVS-ljudböcker. Stenar och slagord flyger genom luften. Däck och bilar sätts i brand, hör vi genom våra kontakter. Men det här är ju han, klappar där Arturo på axeln. Vem han? Grinige byggaren från tv. Lyssna gratis på GVS-ljudböcker. Finns hos iCast eller där du hittar dina poddar. Ready to pop the question? Krull, 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 krull. Krull och kriminell internationell På ett av alla kaféer downtown Los Angeles träffar jag Lamar Glenn som berättar om livet och tankarna efter nästan 20 år som medlem i ett av världens mest omtalade och ökända gäng Crips. Okay, uh, my
3: name is Lamar Glenn. 33 years old. Uh born and raised here in uh South Los Angeles. How is the life in the gang? It's tough because you know once I made that decision uh you know i i made a, i basically i made a commitment to uh death and destruction you know, and you know I became a target you know it was times where you know people attempted to kill me and you know I was shot at you know um, I had to prepare myself to be armed with weapons to protect myself uh, I experienced more encounters with uh, police officers and going to jail and uh it was just a 360 you know? so every, all the promise i had coming through school the school system you know junior high high school graduated uh, was uh, pretty much just the down the drain you know
0: Lamar är 1, lång svart, tränad och tatuerad på armar ben och vänster ansiktshalva men det är ändå kläderna som avslöjar hans gängtillhörighet de blå färgerna som man har på caps, tröja och skor är välkända signum för Crips. I grew up in uh South South LA which is
3: a, uh you know it's just a gang infested, you know a lot of crime. Um a lot of gang activity, a lot of uh drug dealing and stuff like that. So um so growing up um, I dealt with that and uh it was at it was at this it was at a young age, sixteen, seventeen, that um a lot of the guys I grew up with, you know, started kinda gravitated towards gangs and you know, I had uh, ties with them and uh eventually as I got older I started hanging out with them more and I eventually decided to join the gang. Originally for the purposes of making money because I wasn't able to get a job. I have four brothers, uh two brothers now rest in peace. They were older brothers and uh Growing up, uh, they were a part of the of the gang as well in our in our community. So, which were, which are Crips. I ended up joining the same gang as my brother, but you know it wasn't because of him. It was because of a lot of friends that I grew up with, were a part of this gang as well. He actually discouraged me from joining the gang. So, why? Because he knew the lifestyle. He knew what it brings. You know, he had been shot before. He almost died before he had been to jail. So, he didn't want that for me. You know, he saw the potential that I could be something greater you know, why settle for less, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was my decision, and my decision alone, and I I made the decision, so. It it made him cry, but, you know, once it was official, he kind of accepted it and uh, kind of embraced it, you know, so.
0: Raymond Washington och Stanley Tookie Williams startade Crips 1969. Gänget växte snabbt och blev ett av USA:s största. Riktigt lika stora är inte rivalerna Bloods, men precis som Crips har sina färger i blott, har Bloods blivit synonymt med rött.
3: So being that I was a Crip there was also restrictions, you know certain places I couldn't go with uh, without being a target. If I did go, I would have to be armed and protected. You know, uh, because one of our biggest rivals are our blood gangs, and they wear red. So, being that we will wear blue, or you know, we will wear symbolic colors of a crib. You know, whether it's a hat or shoes or whatever, um, or even a belt, because you know you can wear colored belts here that symbolizes where you're from—navy uh, blue or dark, or like a royal, like a Dodger blue. Um, you don't want to wear it's certain hats that you you would wear cuz it would identify with your gang so so if i wore a a baseball cap it would like for my neighborhood it would have, it would have maybe a a c on it for crip or a g on it for gangster you know i wouldn't wear a hat with a N n or a h on it because those stand for other crip gangs that are rivals cuz Crips do beef with other crip gangs so you know, all these beefs what's it about territory control of the drug trade. I kind of view it as like modern day tribe, you know. Um, We're all, every gang, you know, Bloods, Crips, we have different gangs and the the Hispanics. We're all like kind of modern day tribes and everyone wants to kind of dominate, have like a, a dominance over a certain field or area. You know, it's all about kind of like control, you know. And you look at countries like in Europe, you look at like Russia, you know how they kind of, how provocative they are, you know, with some of the things they do. When it, in terms of, you know, like with the Ukraine, you know, the Ukraine is not bothering anybody, but they want control, you know, is there, so they're, they're kind of in a stance where they want to take over Ukraine, because it's all about making Ukraine part of, you know, Russia, you know, kind of if you look in history with like the USSR and some of that stuff, you know, so. As big as Russia is, and you know, sometimes it's, as gangs, no matter what we we want more, you know. If we can defeat this gang, we can take over their neighborhood and territory. So, it, it, so it's, it's it's pretty much that. And in most gangs you talk to, they have the mindset like it's us against everyone else. It's us and fuck everybody else, the police, these people. So, so how come you fight internal? I mean, between different cribs. <laughs> kind of like I mentioned, it it can be. Uh, for territory, you, you know, you want you want more territory. It can be over drug, drug related. You know, you want control of the drug sales. So I thought, that like, when you're talking about brotherhood, that's there's, only for the gang itself. It's not like for the whole. Yeah, it's only for the immediate gang organization. I mean, yeah. But in today's world, there's no brotherhood even within inside the gang. So each gang is different. There's no one person that runs the Crips. now. the Crip is broken into many, many, many gangs, and many
0: gangs operate differently. Med ungefär 30 000 till 35 000 medlemmar i USA har intern rivaliteten blivit ett stort problem. Ibland sträcker det sig inte längre än från ett kvarter till nästa. Och det är fler från crips som dött i uppgörelse med andra crips-medlemmar än i konflikter med rivaliserande gäng. Men gemensamt för alla är ordet som fått stor betydelse och ofta används av medlemmarna. Mm-hmm. Cripping.
3: So cripin would be, you know. As a Crip, how you know how you conduct yourself? You know, being being solid, which was considered like being, you know, uh, you know, tough. You know, if someone calls you out, you, you fight all your battles. You know, you you shoot, kill, do whatever you have to do when necessary. You conduct yourself a, a, in a proper way in, in a prison. You know, you you, you you work out. You're militant. You you are a leader. Stuff like that. So. Um, you have to be a Crip to be, to be, to to Crip. I mean, you have to be a Crip in order to be a part of the Cripping. You know, you can't be an SA or, or a Spanish game member. You can't be a, blo- you, in order to be the Crip, to, to do the Cripping, you have to be a Crip. Is it a long time do you have to, like, be a hang around before or is it? I mean, it helps because the best way to learn how to, how to Crip is by being around other Crip members. Preferably with with experience and with, like you said, the OGs, because they're going to show you. Are there any unwritten laws? Yeah, like, you you always fight your battles. You don't turn down any fights, you know. You do what you have to do when necessary, all the time. You know, there's no beating around the bush. You know, you take care of
0: business. You told us earlier that you were a good, successful drug dealer. Yeah. What makes a good drug dealer? Well,
3: what I what I learned is, for one, I, I knew how to manage and save money. I learned customer service. I learned how to deal with people that were coming in, coming through, and buying drugs from me. I had multiple connections. I had people who always had drugs. When they run out, I always had backup plans. So, what made me successful drug dealer was I had I had clientele. I had a lot of customers coming from different parts of California to buy drugs from me. Um, I had good customer service. I made people feel you know, safe and comfortable coming and person stuff, you know, always I, I, the same, a lot of the same things that you kind of see in stores are encouraged in a, in a black market with using drugs, you know, incentive programs, you know. When Bray would bring me customers, I would give them free drugs. When people come and spend a certain amount, i give them free stuff, you know. And I, I just made people feel good, you know. If they called me, they would be nervous, like, hey, you know, I don't got no money, I need credit. Like, hey, no problem, here you go, no problem, anytime. Simple, it was little things like that. They made them like, oh, you know what, this cool. I'm a ke-. They keep coming back. As opposed to going to all, because it's all these other drug dealers. They felt comfortable coming. I wasn't going to rob them, because you have some drug dealers, you know, they, they, they rob. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a dirty game. Sometimes they rob their customers, they'll set them up, things that happen when their customers are coming to purchase from them, and they can go to jail, so I provided a safe environment. I was able to secure trust in the people coming. But that takes time. That's not something that happens quickly, it takes time.
0: How was it when you started? I mean, like, tr- tr- people trying to cheat you? and Yeah, it was it was rough.
3: It wasn't easy, it was hard.
0: Do you have it's some very story efficient. from that time you can tell us about? So, uh,
3: 2002, I was maybe 18, 19 years old. I remember I, I stayed up all night selling drugs, so um, a lady I know, who usually buy drugs from me, she brought some guy that she met somewhere in Watts, California, Watts, and a project. He came through, and uh, he wanted some drugs, and I gave him a twenty dollars worth of drugs. And uh, you know, I'm standing by his car, and when I put the drugs in his hand, the same thing—he he steps on the gas and he just—he stabs off. So I had my hand in the window. So it's about six in the morning. I'm half asleep, and my pocket was heavy because I had a lot of change from from the transactions overnight. And so while he's uh, speeding off, I'm holding on to the window. I'm like. Motherfucker, you might you must want to get shot because I thought I had my gun on me. So my pocket was heavy, so I'm trying to grab my gun. I didn't have it on me. It was my pocket was it was heavy because of the change. So once I by the time I realized I didn't have my gun, and he's speeding out, and the lady that was with her, she's screaming, and so I'm running with the car. I'm like running with the car, and so I let go. I just flipped, and all this was scarred up. Six in the morning, so that's how I started my Saturday. I just remember being pissed off, like man, fuck. Because my mind, I'm like, man, I want to kill this motherfucker, man. He played me close, you know, so. And uh, I ended up seeing the lady, the lady that was with her. Like I said, I know her. I ended up seeing her like a month later. And she paid me the money for it. She said, oh, you know. And she didn't know who he was. She was just trying to get high. That's the purpose why she brought him over there. But, but yeah, that was a story. That was a story. Because uh, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm about to blow his head off. But I didn't have my gun on me. And I'm, the whole time, I'm running with the car like this. And, <laughs> You know the car is accelerating and my, my,
0: my feet is getting up and I just flip. So, what would you say is the biggest myths about gang life?
3: The biggest myths? Um, I don't know. I would have to hear. I would have to hear someone. I would. That's probably a question I would have to ask you. Like, what are what are some of the things you hear about in, in your country that uh, people say about crips or bloods, and I can kind of say whether it's true or false. If it's exaggerated.
0: When people ask you questions and stuff like that, what was the biggest misunderstanding? Uh,
3: there's no real misunderstanding. I mean, pretty much what you hear is what it's Some things are exaggerated. You know, you might watch a movie in your country and you might see uh, prisons in Cali- and, uh, and here in America are kind of kind of dramatized to make it seem like it's super hard. Most most prisons today in California they're not super hardcore,
0: but they are dangerous. You know. But for instance, do you have to kill someone to be a gang member? Or do you have to do some things to become a gang member? No. How do you become a gang member? It's just a matter
3: of wanting to join the gang. And uh, you would be initiated, you, so basically you would fight like four or five people at a time. Maybe about a minute, two minutes. And then from there, uh, you're, you're pretty much a part of the family. Different gangs do different things, you know. Some gangs might say, well, once you you fought four or five people, maybe a minute apiece, now it's time to put in work, which is you go and try to shoot or kill somebody. Uh, in my case that wasn't the case. My gang did we didn't it wasn't mandatory that you go shoot and kill people. You know. It was just mandatory that you be initiated, which is you fight four or five people. And then after that, you are expected to shoot and, and kill people, but it's not a requirement, you know, so. What do you think about these fights? Um, they can be brutal. They can be tough, but um, it's kind of like a test, of, it's kind of like a way of kind of testing your heart before you join the game. If you have the courage and the heart to fight four or five people, differently, you know, one-on-one or something at the same time, it shows, it's kind of like a testament of your character, like, okay, now, nah, you know, you And then if you want to leave? Some people, some people, different gangs are different because different gangs are kind of structured more stricter. You know, uh, some people, they leave, they just never come back. They just
1: want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
3: You, never, you can't find them.
0: What would you have told yourself when you know today about the gang life that you didn't know then?
3: Uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I mean, I had a lot of good times, you know, in the gang life. I had a lot of good times, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but at the end of the day it, was, it wasn't worth it. Because it's a lot of heartache, you know. It created a it made me into an interesting person, you know, from a pro, from a from a uh from the uh the aspect that, you know, like today, you know, um I think the gang culture it made me uh somewhat temperamental, you know what I mean? Like I can be real, you know, cool, laid back, but you know, the stuff I experienced as a gang, man, just like that, I can, I can, I can go, you know, I can go very, very, very bad. And obviously that anger started when I was younger with my with my dad, you know, and the that with my dad, but the gang just magnified that. The gang lifestyle magnified. Because every time I got shot at, it made me angry. Every time rival gangs came to the neighborhood trying to shoot at us or trying to do stuff, it made me angry. When I was in jail and things would happen to me, it made me furious. So a lot of things I did was, was sparked by fury. And the fury was created in the gang culture and that I lived. It kind of was in, in enhanced.
0: How was the gang life during time? Has it changed?
3: Yes. Right now, you know, gangs are more about drugs now. So you have a lot of people who are, drug, who are gang members that are addicted to crystal meth and heroin and crack cocaine, and, you know, all these all these drugs. So, you know, when you have a lot of people that are living a gang lifestyle that are drug addicts, it's not a good combination because you have a lot of people out here doing crimes and, and hurting people under the influence of drugs. And that can be dangerous because innocent people get hurt and all type of bystanders are, are caught in the in the crossfire. So, you become more of these people, so you have a lot of crimes that are happening that are reckless, very much reckless, because these people are doing under the influence of drugs. Besides drugs, how has the gang culture changed? No loyalty, you know, people tell on each other a lot more today. The police pay people now to testify against their their neighborhoods and their crime means. The police offer a lesser sentence if you cooperate and get the next man convicted. So you have a lot of informants, you have a lot of uh, infiltrators in the neighborhood. You might think they're, you know, the homie or part of the gang or your brother or whatever you want to call them. He's really an informant, you know, and he's infiltrating the gang and providing intelligence to the FBI and the LAPD. So, you know, and that's where you hear about a lot of gang injunctions, where gangs are being uh, in, being sent to jail under the RICO Act, federal corruption investigation type stuff. And you have, so you have a lot of gangs under that are in the federal prisons now, under federal investigation because of those reasons, uh, you know, informants and you know gangs being infiltrated. So. Det finns ingen lojalitet idag. När jag kom där var det mer en respekt, en lojalitet, A kamradery. För mig idag är det inte där.
0: Förutom Lott och Cripping har de också blivit kända för sin egen och speciella Crip Walk, eller Sea Walk, som de också kallas. En typ av rullande dans på pigga studsande fötter. The Crip
3: Walk är en dans som Crips gör. Men vad som sker är... As When gangs kind of became popular here in America in the music, you had everyone doing the Crip Walk. But in reality, the origin of it, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You you were supposed to be a Crip in order to do it, but then it went mainstream to where everyone was doing, like, you know, musicians and stuff like that. R&B groups, you know, popular you know pop singers were doing it. And that's where it became like a form of disrespect because people have died living a lifestyle as a Crip. And you have people like uh, Usher or... Uh, there was a group called B2K back in the day. Uh, they were doing it in their music videos, and they don't, they don't even have no idea what they're doing, so. So it's kind of disrespectful when a guy like Usher is, is doing a Crip walk. It's not just a walk, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a, it's a culture, as it, a Crip that comes with that. Usher's not a Crip, Usher's not a gang member. So if he's Crip walking, that's a problem because Crip walking is tied
0: into a lifestyle because you have people that have died as Crips. Exempel på några gängmedlemmar är gått bra före er Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, ECE, Warren G, Ice T, Coolio, Scarface och Exhibit.
3: Of course I listen to a lot of Crip music. I Snoop Dogg and all the guys that is affiliated with Snoop Dogg. But I also listen to like oldies and R&B. And you know. but can Kenny
0: blood listen to Snoop? Yeah, they
3: do, they do. And vice versa, it's Crips that listen to. Uh... You know musicians that are like Mac Ten uh, the game etc. etc. Et so so what happened that's fine that's not it's not like a rule that you can't do it.
0: det är svårt att sitta mittemot en medlem from Crips som har en tår tatuerad i ansiktet utan att börja tänka budskap på vad den kan stå för
3: there's no sign for the Crips um, some people would say if they have a teardrop like this i mean they killed somebody um I think with the skinheads here in California, if they have a lightning bolt, it means they killed a black man or something like that. So, so it varies for the Crips. It's, it's, there's, not, there's no one thing that you would get. It varies from different people. You know, my Teardrop, for example, it, just, it represents uh, the pain that I've experienced, you know, living the life I live. This, so this is not symbolic for, you know, someone dying, but for a lot of people it is.
0: So your tattoo area with the tear yeah. in your
3: face, yeah. is that before or after the gang life? This was in prison. So this was in the mix. In, this was in the, in the midpoint of the, the gang life, you know, so. But like I said, I got mine because it, it represents the pain, you know. So this is like a tear of me. This is like kind of like a, symbolic, a, a symbolism of me crying because of the things I experienced, not just, in the streets with the gangs, but also in prison. You know, my mom passed away. You know, family members passed away. You know, people. Betray, you know, the betrayal I mentioned with the brotherhood. Uh, being shot because I've been shot a few times by rival gangs. I've shot in people. I almost, almost shot a kid. You know, luckily the gun jammed. So, you know, looking back, it just makes you know. It just kind of makes me just shake my hair like, damn. It makes me tear up. You know, like especially the situation. I almost shot a kid. I was like this, like boom and the gun it didn't go up. How come? How, how old was he? How old was a kid or the kid was maybe 13. it was a it was a accidental uh, mistaken identity. And what happened was um, I was twenty and uh we were my neighborhood was beefing with a rival Crip gang and uh, there were some guys hanging on the corner that that were um they were staking us out from this gang. So I saw so I had my brother drive around and drop me off by a store through a back alley so when I run out this alley with this gun I was supposed I should be running into the same corner they were just standing on so I had a 357 uh, I had a 357 where you you have to cock it back to shoot and uh, God willing when I come out the alley I see a shadow and I'm thinking it's the people that were just staking us out the rival gang but it wasn't it was a little kid just walking through and so I ran across the sidewalk and as soon as I came under the uh the thing, once I seen the shadow, I, I didn't want to, because I knew they had guns. We could see the guns, so I didn't want to waste time. So as soon as I came a corner, I'm like, click. And the gun, the, the bullet jammed, luckily. And this was a revolver, so, you know, that really doesn't happen with revolvers. So I said, click. And the kid was like, oh. And I just kind of froze for a, for a second, like, what the fuck? And then I looked this way, and the guys that I was taking out were walking back. So I cocked the gun back again, and I shot at them. Oh, oh. And they ran back, and they kind of ran, and they started shooting back. And boom, boom. And so it's so it's return fire. Boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. And then I ran, and just that quick, you could hear the kind of police helicopter. And I jumped in the car and got on. But I couldn't help but to think like, I thank God that I didn't I didn't shoot that kid, man. That would have been traumatizing because, you know, one thing about gangs, they teach you to get your man. We're not in the business of hurting innocent people. You know what I mean? It's about getting your man. So. That that would have been, even even I didn't think you know I haven't thought about it until today. But even thinking about it now, talking it makes me kind of emotional. I'm God, thank God that uh, I didn't you know I didn't shoot because he probably I'm pretty sure it was like right to the chest. He probably would have died.
0: Enna många händelser i Lamar's liv som nu ändå fått honom att börja ändra på sitt sätt att tänka för framtiden. Idag är han villkåligt frigivet med strikta restriktioner. Han får varken träffa eller umgås med personer kopplade till sitt gamla gäng. Han får inte ens klä sig i blott och platser som anses vara gängrelaterade och därmed riskområden.
3: There's really no purpose of joining gangs today in my opinion. But people join it for different reasons. They feel broken. They want acceptance. You know, people want to feel like they belong. I mean, it's, and it's in growing up in the neighborhoods we we grew up in it's it's, it's easy to feel belong and feel acceptance joining these gangs. But well, as time went, we realized that it's for the wrong reasons, and what we thought was an illusion. What we saw was an illusion. It's not really what it looks like. It's not really what we, what it seems like. What
0: was your biggest disappointment?
3: From the, f- the fact that this brotherhood within the gang turned against me over money. That was a huge disappointment. You know, over money. You know, once I became a successful drug dealer, you know, uh, and some people still kind of struggled or didn't become successful, I didn't make the kind of money I was making, they turned against me. And they turned against me in the form of creating rumors and and trying to uh, smut or distort my character. You know what I mean, so. How did it affect you, I mean, what did you it, have to do? It, it made me, it, made me it, it, it hurt me one, but it made me uh, angry and violent, and so what I had to do was isolate myself. One by one, so I started to separate myself from people. I couldn't trust people. I started not to like a lot of people. No matter, even though I had a lot of family ties and a lot of love for them, so it turned me against a lot of people. And I had to arm myself with um, weapons, you know, in the event that they mounted an attack on me. Your own yeah. family? Yeah. 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 Sad, but it's the truth. How did it end? So, uh, one of the guys I was uh, beefing with, he got killed by a rival gang member. And uh, in the process of the of the murder uh, investigation, my name was mentioned as a suspect. And uh, the police end up eventually ended up coming raiding my house, and uh, I engage, and I I engaged in a uh, shootout with the LAPD and uh, was shot several times and uh, ended up going to jail for that. So I went to to the hospital first, and from there I went to jail, and uh, I was in, I ended up accepting the deal for ten years a prison term here in California. And, uh, my time in jail, I still ran and operated with the gang and uh, con- kind of conducted my business as a crib Wood and in prison. And when I paroled, uh, I reached out to a few people and talked to them and uh, it wasn't the same. I just realized that, um, you know, it's it's kind of time to just let go. You know, I'm 33 years, I'm 32 now. And, uh, it's time to kind of move on for the best. Uh, Whatever it is I'm holding on to psychologically, I need to let go, and it was time to uh, to move forward with my life, you know, in a positive way. So that's when I just kind of just drifted apart and just separated myself from uh, the gang lifestyle.
0: When you uh, leave a gang, is it like in the, uh, the MC world? Then you can have like good or bad standing. Yeah, I mean. I, me, personally,
3: I don't really care what people think because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people turned against me and made me feel a certain type of way. So, however however people feel, personally, it doesn't matter. Um, the people I talked to today um, from the neighborhood, you know, they respect what I'm going through. You know, they, they always, you know, most of the people are encouraging. Hey, you know, you're working. That's right. You know, do what you have to do. You know, stay positive. And so that's my position. You know, I'm not... When I was younger, it was about reputation. I don't care about reputation today. You know, I just, only think I care about is living, enjoying my life and moving forward. So, in five years, what are you doing? Hopefully, in five years of a BA degree, um, uh, I can see myself being, hopefully, a homeowner. You know, becoming a homeowner for the first time here in California. You know? In five years, uh, that's that's kind of where I see myself. Uh. And a
0: lot of annoying kids around your legs.
3: Um, I, In five years, I, no more than two. No more than two, I can see myself. I see if I can have a boy girl, I'd be good. Yeah, not alive, maybe
0: a couple though. Thank you for your time, and good luck. Oh, thank you. Okay. Du, tack som fan att du lyssnar, och vi hörs såklart vidare. Men om det är något som du undrar över vill komma med tips, råd eller vad fan som helst så går det alltid bra att skriva via Instagram, krullokriminell eller krullokriminell@gmail.com. Bak och bugg. Ha det bra.
1: A, cool a crocodile stick out its cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
0: Fly vardagen en stund med GVS ljudböcker. Stenar och slagord flyger genom luften. Däck och bilar sätts i brand hör vi genom våra kontakter. Men det här är ju han, Cesar där Arturo på axeln. Vem han? Grinige byggaren från tv. Lyssna gratis på GVS ljudböcker. Finns hos Acast eller där du hittar dina poddar.